anarchists, violent mobs, arsons, looters, criminals, rioters. Poor kids are just as bright and just as tall as white kids. I said, please don't be too nice. We choose truth over facts. I am your president of law and order. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. In the white room with black curtains near the station. Alright, inside agitator. This is a replacement episode because we lost the audio of the last episode. Yeah, that's which, my um, bad. Yeah, which it was a great episode. Just so you know, it was fantastic. So funny. It was hilarious. We're, trust we're trust me. It was so good. No, actually, I'm pretty disappointed because it was kind of our um, first three week of Biden recap. And both of us, I think, had just been coming out of it. I'm still coming out of it. I've been sick. We've been struggling mentally psychologically fucking physically we're not doing well over here at inside agitator so that was our episode of just being like what the fuck this sucks (laughs) when will it end (laughs) (laughs) and so this is a good uh this is maybe good because we're not as um i don't know it was a pretty funny cadence of just like what the fuck is going on though um, but, uh, we'll rehash some of the topics we talked about last episode, some of the important points. Um, but we're coming into this episode. Um, we found out some news we can't talk about yet. Um, and you know, it just in general, I think we, uh, we're making decisions like, you know, I, myself, as the agitator in this duo, um, <laughs> I have... I, I've, I'm committed, you know, I'm ready ready to die, ready to go to jail for the movement. Like, I, I, I've accepted the consequences of my political speech, my political activism, you know, etc., etc. Um, my co-host here is just, like, my, my unwitting, uh, <laughs> my un- unwitting friend that I dragged into this, um, uh, <laughs> in the beginning of the summer. And... Yeah, I, you know, and I, so we had a long conversation about, you know, how do you feel and do we want to go forward doing this? And I don't think we, either of us have really come to a clear decision yet. I, I know I do, but, and, and obviously I'd, I'd like if my co-host continued, but I would have felt remiss if I wasn't like, dude, listen, we have not only found out we're going, we're talking shit about powerful interests, but there are powerful interests that specifically do not like us. There, there's shit that's come out. Um, that we can't talk about, um, but it, and and not only that, we're as time goes on, we gain more listeners. We we start talking about bigger issues. You know, it could be the state government one day that can't necessarily track us down through podcasts. But when it's the federal government, and and even stuff we have slated to talk about on this episode, we're gonna talk about someone who's being held by the FBI right now, a leftist. And I'm certain the FBI has, you know, they have audio search. I'm sure any podcast that's going to talk about Daniel Baker, Daniel Baker, is going to get it's, it's going to get picked up by the, it's going to get picked, it's going to get picked up by their AI and they're going to listen to it or it's at least going to get held. So it's not it, it, it's and you know I haven't watched Judas and the Black Messiah yet. Have you? I have not. I don't have HBO. But we know, but, but we know how. What happened to Fred Hampton? We're not idiots. Yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. And so, 
And not that we're, you know, doing what the Black Panthers did, but they, they've killed people for less. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And so I think we're just at a point, and I think everyone, and I, I just wanted to be vulnerable and open about this on the podcast, because I feel like this is something that, as things get more extreme, everyone's questioning, how much am I willing to sacrifice for the movement? Um, and... Maybe that'll be um, the topic of today's show. Um, what are your thoughts? Let's mm. hear from you about everything. Because I remember you were talking to me, and, and this is what stuck out to me in our conversation the most. I, there were a couple things, but you said that over the past couple months, it's increasingly felt like you've been living in a fantasy world. Yeah, I just feel pretty disassociated with people sometimes because like, I hear... Just the regular, you know, conservative talk or the regular liberal talk, the centrist views. And I'm just like, man, how is not that cut and dry and it's not that black and white? And like, I feel like these people just like don't. I don't know. Sometimes I feel crazy because I'm like, am I overlooking into this stuff or like, you know, that's just that's just like where I'm like, I feel crazy that way. But at the same time, I'm looking at them. I'm like you're fucking crazy for like you know some of the views that you have and you can just sit there and look at it just like that black and white and think that's it you know what i mean and I so think it, it's so a, many people think that way is because there is a tremendous pressure to because it's not you do feel crazy if you go against it a lot's designed to make you feel crazy um we yeah, I think it's, you know, that's not at all an insane way to feel. I I think I can relate to that, and so can a lot of the listeners, you know. Um, damn, am I the asshole? Like, maybe they're Yeah, right. exactly. Like, I, I feel like if somebody, like, for example, somebody was saying something um, about Trump that was, you know, completely false, and then I hopped, and, like, they, they were just having a pleasant conversation, but I, like, started to hop in, and I stopped myself, and I was just like, yep, let me not... Let me not be that guy right now. You know, that's like the, yeah. The, I guess the stigma. Well, I guess I feel at like. work, that's probably the safe, yeah, choice. You know, yeah, it's very much safe choice. Yeah, um, and you know, I guess what I was talking about is, you know, it. Um, I mean, we touched on a lot of different things, but I guess what I what I'm thinking is when I look at what this podcast is, and like in the landscape of podcasts. I think there were a lot of podcasts that helped me radicalize, you know, and, and become the person I am today. And, like, I do not want to overemphasize the importance of, like, two dudes talking on a podcast. You know, I think a lot of people make that mistake. But I don't want to underemphasize it either. And, like, certainly the feds won't. Um, and, and I just... I, it's a... It's fucking crazy times we live in. Like, let me talk about Daniel Baker, I guess. Um, so Daniel Baker is a left-wing veteran who was picked up by the FBI and held without bond because the judge said that the posts show that he was on a path to radicalization that made him dangerous. So held without bond while Kyle Rittenhouse, the murderer, walks free. And, like, that's the country we live in. And I actually appreciated the Washington Post headline and they might have changed it now, but the headline this morning was, the FBI warned about far-right extremists. Agents picked up a far-left uh, veteran. And it's like, so, and that headline clearly shows, like, yeah, they're not doing what they intended to say. 
But then the article, they're, you know, laying out the Fed side of the argument that this guy's dangerous, and they're showing all these Facebook posts. And they're laid out in a way to make you feel like, oh my god, he really said that? But, like, I'm looking at what he said, and it's, like, no worse than shit I've said put on my social media and shit I've said, and shit that I've seen plenty of leftists say, you know, on the inside agitator feed. Normal political speech. And it's getting to a point where any advocacy for violence is seen as a crime. And we certainly advocate political violence on this show. I'm not going to shy away from that. That's realistically, I would love to see change within the system, but that isn't, that's, we've, it's clearly been shown. We talk about it all the time, how there are so many entrenched forces that don't want that to happen. And I've said it before, the elites have dug their heels in. They're not going to, they're not going without a fight. Um, and, 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 I'm not going to do it personally, but if someone makes that calculation and a movement makes that calculation and the people rise up, that is probably the path forward. That's, that's the only way I see it. I love this saying, it's harder to imagine the end of capitalism than it is to imagine the end of the world. And it's true. I have an easier time imagining climate change melting us all than I do the fight for the new world. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't help build the space to allow people to, because that's the thing. It's got to be institutions. And like right now, this is an institution. This is a podcast. But this can become a leftist, you know, once people start opening leftist spaces and the movement grows, that's never going to happen without podcasts giving people an escape for an hour to go listen to people with their like-minded views and escape that alienation that you feel at work when you hear the normal every day. Because when that's it's so overwhelming. That's all we see. And I think one of the main reasons, other than the, the huge, you know, absolute disparity in wealth and the inequality that's just gone out of control over the past decade, the reason we see so much turmoil is because for the first time ever, people are able to hear things outside of what their coworkers are saying. They're able to tap into something larger and movements that they identify with greater than just their coworker, you know, and and it's a powerful thing, and that's why I don't want to discount the fact that the feds very well might want to sleep us, right? you know. Yeah, yeah, I really don't put anything past them, you know. Yeah, and 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 you know, I've accepted the consequences. I truly have. I'm ready to fucking go. And uh, for any feds listening to this, if you try to come arrest me for fucking thought crimes, only thing you're gonna I fucking mean that with every bone in my body. And, and 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 that's the thing. Like, if you don't want to be on a podcast where I'm saying shit like that, I totally get it. But that's where it's at right now, you know? And it's just like, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's just... Wait, what is, what is that? I've never heard that saying. So they put, they put a... You know, agent. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, shit. God. Oh, <laughs> come on, man! <laughs> You're killing me. You're killing me so much. I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> but you're killing me, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what. This is where it's at, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Solidarity with Daniel Baker, by the way, free bro, and um, you know uh, his posts. I gotta say, 
we're pretty like not that bad. Like, I and and this was a guy who, like you, saw the capital coup coming and was like, "Listen, if those fascists try to overthrow the government, I don't mind fighting for my country again. I got every type of ammo for them." Like, that's an innocuous thing for a veteran to say. How many? I've heard. I've heard so many Republicans just say, if the Antifa comes to my suburbs, I'm going to fucking shoot them in their face. Yeah, dude. Like, right-wingers talk like this all the time. Every single day. (laughs) And, like, and and they're not even arresting the right-wingers that actually do the shit. (laughs) They're arresting the left-wingers that talk about it. It's like, what (laughs) fucking world are we living in? And, you know, to answer that question, we're living in a world where Joe Biden is signing an 150... Oh, I just knocked my mic around. Sorry for that. Is signing a fucking $150 million weapons deal to back right-wing coups abroad. So, no fucking shit that they're gonna back the right-wing to fight the left-wing in America in the heart of the empire. Fucking, of course. But it's so hard to see that when the media obscures it nonstop. Yeah. The FBI killed Tupac. Okay, we advancing that? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I've been watching, and I highly recommend everyone goes and checks this out. Uh, you as well. Adam Curtis is is probably the best documentarian um, of our age. Maybe the most important filmmaker. I really think that his films are part of the skeleton key to understanding how we got here. Um, and just... He is this old intellectual British guy been working for decades and he has access to the full BBC archive. And, you know, in England, they still believe in like crazy intellectuals. So they just let this guy sit for two years and pour over the archives and talk into a mic and make these sprawling documentaries that cover, I mean, decades of history and analysis and different historical figures I say um, I, there's a, a lot of really good ones that he's done. The Century, the Self is amazing and talks a lot about how, like, individualism was a corporate project um, that wasn't – it's not human. It didn't come from us. It was a corporate project that was done to us. Um, and and Hypernormalization is a movie that talks about years down the line from, you know, being hyper-individualistic and kind of a fantasy world, similar to the fantasy world you're describing – um, being frustrated with when in your everyday, um, he 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 did, talks about that fantasy world a lot, and you know, in in hypernormalization came out before Trump won the election. It basically predicted Trump. You you finish that movie and you you don't see how the election goes any other way. It it, it makes perfect sense. And uh, then he just came out um, with I can't get you out of my head, or I think it's just can't get you out of my head. And this one. Uh, very cleverly, instead of being like a four-hour movie, it's a six-hour, six-part thing that's split up into six parts, so a little more digestible. And he goes through all these different historical figures, but hilariously, one of the ones that he focuses on is Tupac Shakur. And Adam Curtis won't ever go as far as to make the conclusions for you, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Adam Curtis will just lay out the facts and let you draw your conclusions. But after his coverage of Tupac and what he meant to the world and what he was trying to do, his last album, he talks about Operation Mindfuck in the 1970s, which was two CIA agents planning stories in Playboy about the Bavarian Illuminati, kind of a way to discredit conspiracy theories before conspiracy theories got popular. So the Illuminati 
and and we talked about this last episode that got deleted, um, similar to maybe QAnon now, was a government-driven conspiracy to obscure real conspiracies, just like QAnon obscures the real pedophilia and abuse that goes on in our government. Um, and so Operation Mindfuck, really, I mean, that's got to be one of the most successful operations ever. You still hear the Illuminati uh, conspiracy theories are still discredited, basically. Um, you, 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 you know, you're even talking about how we feel crazy for believing some of the things we feel. I mean, that is the culture. If you believe these things, you're a crazy person. And then they set that tone. Um, Tupac's last album was Illuminati, And he was talking about how, like, you know, it's not the Illuminati, you dumb motherfuckers. It's the police. It's the Bloods and Crips Unite. Like, it, and, like, it, it, it really, like, and then he fucking, and he's doing movies, and he wants to, and he really believed in, create like, thug life being bigger than just, oh, I'm going to, like, trap and make a bunch of money. But it was like, I'm going to resist the system. Like, and, 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 like, and he really, there's a reason hip-hop is as radical as it is even still decades after his influence and, and murder. Um, and it was because he was a visionary who I think really saw. And Adam Curtis isn't, doesn't talk as uh, lovingly about what Tupac did. I think his analysis is more that he retreated into the fantasy world of culture instead of fighting the real revolution like his mother did. Um, but I, I, I think the fantasy world he built is important because I know this. I had one poster on my wall as a teenager, and it was Tupac Shakur. And I was a white kid obsessed with hip-hop. And looking back, it was for no other reason. And that was the only thing that I could visibly see in the culture that at all described the way I was feeling about the world. That it all had anything to do with these emotions I haven't expressed on this show about the system being fucked and rebelling against it. And that is thanks to that guy that I had on my wall. And his ashes are spread on a farm in North Carolina um, in the same state that we record. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, you do music mainly. My co-host is mainly a DJ. And I just, you know, I do think that there's a legacy to pick up there and continue. Yeah. No, because that's pretty inspiring, honestly. Yeah. A Fanny Shakur, and everyone should just go watch the Adam Curtis documentary. You know, he talks in his amazing British accent about all this, but um, British accent. Um, oh, go British, oh, go in it. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't commit to doing it, uh, so it came out weird. Uh, but <laughs> fucking, um, she was arrested along with, I think, like 25 other Black Panther members, all who chose to have lawyers defend them. A Fanny Shakur um, represented herself. And in cross-examining the cop who built the case against them, um, she starts grilling him, like, do you think it was bad when we fed kids? Do you think that, you know, and really making an argument, jury then moves to acquit all of them. Um, and then she then, you know, gives birth to the prince of hip-hop who created the culture we live in. That You know, there might not be as radical of a George Floyd movement without the fucking hip-hop culture that he basically wrote the Bible for, you know? Um, and, like... yeah. I don't know. You can't fight the system and win. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that the system loses, but you personally can win. You don't have to be crushed by the system. You can stand up to it and, and, and not let it destroy you if you're strong enough and, and, and you have enough conviction. And I don't know. I was really inspired by I didn't know that about Afini Shakur. And that was just like a... And I think I'm, I appreciate Adam Curtis putting that in there because 
sometimes his long documentaries are a lot of just negatives. And he put that into there be like, a finish could proved you could fight the system and win. And it's like, damn, like you really, you can do it. Um, it is possible. Um, yeah. Yeah, it feels impossible. And I think that's... Yeah, it feels, it feels like the the cards are just completely just stacked against us. And at every turn, when we try to advance, they will be met with some opposition. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that opposition will not be anything that's like, you know, twi- getting canceled on Twitter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, not going to be... It's, it's gonna real be, opposition. Yeah, yeah, it's real opposition. It's oil money. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I, um... It's the real deal, and I just and 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 yeah, but I, I, here's the one thing: me and you alone fighting these interests, of course, we'll lose. Of course, we can't do it. Me, you, and every other person that listens to this podcast and that believes the things that we believe, fighting against them together in solidarity, bringing the seventy percent of people who don't vote and are already disenfranchised with the system and don't believe in the politics, bringing them into solidarity with us to fight all those interests. We could win. We could win tomorrow. We could win tomorrow, and uh, if anything, the Fed's overstepping and arresting anyone for fucking speech and just completely going cracking down on the left wing. That's because the neoliberals, the fascist right, all the fucking corporate footstools—they're scared. They're terrified. Bernie almost won. Chris Matthews thought he was going to get beheaded in Central Park. Three months later, after they thought they nipped that in the bud, we set fucking Minneapolis on fire. These people are sweating. They fucked up. There's time for a buzzer beater. What do you think that buzzer beater looks like? I'm not the one who's got it, bro. I don't know what the key is. I just know that when someone figures it out, I'm there to help make the jump shot. Yeah. Hit my line if you got any ideas. <laughs> now starting the inside agitator think tank. Yeah, bang my shit. Um, <laughs> bang my shit. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's fucked. It's fucked, it is bro. Fucked. Um, I just yeah, you know, I um, I'll say this, bro. I really appreciate you doing this podcast with me and. It's just, it's been, I know it's not easy to, during quarantine, the main person you see outside of work is me to hear about how insanely fascist the world's getting, how, you know, everything wants to murder you. Like, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not, so I I appreciate you having the strength to stand up for what you believe in this far and, 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 you know. It all you know we've we're now almost forty episodes in. That's a lot of time and effort and uh, and emotional fucking. It's emotional work to go through and and address all these things. It's not easy, and I appreciate you for real. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's been tough. Um, you know, after we get done with these episodes, like I still have the thoughts of like you know I'm still digesting. I know I don't say a lot during yeah. the episodes, but like I seriously take in what you say during them and like you know i've I've had nightmares myself about <laughs> feds know. kicking in this my is, door this, and so this shit, is where you know, I, like, this is the, this is what started this whole conversation <laughs>
tells me he's been having these nightmares. And this comes a couple days before the FBI really is starting to kick down leftist doors. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to be over here and be like, bro, you don't have nightmares, you idiot. Like, I, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, yeah. And, and if that's not what you want to live with, like, that's okay. Like, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Like, that's totally, totally understandable. <laughs> uh, and Yeah, but I think it's more just some emotions I got to work out, you know? Yeah, which I appreciate. And I also appreciate you being vulnerable about that on the podcast. Because I think I've had those same nightmares. Maybe not nightmares, but I've had those same fears. Um you know, for years now. And mm-hmm. I, it living under threat of state violence, um, there's a whole bunch of people. I mean, like, shit, every motherfucker with a gram in their fucking car is living under threat yeah. of state violence. Like, it's like. Even every black person who's driving a car is under yeah, threat. Yeah, every, every. Not even driving every, a car. Not every even. black person who's being black in the state yeah. of North Carolina is. is, yeah. is you threat don't need of, a car to be targeted yeah. racially. You, yeah, you need shoes and a shirt and you get service, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> bro, it, uh. And yeah, it's just and it's a fucking lot. And we're you know we're not you know we're like we're not like hardened criminals. Like we're just like kind of nerdy dudes. Like you know yeah, yeah. Not, like you know like I don't want to go to jail. Like <laughs> yeah, um, this is not built for me. I I guess I'd work it out, you know, but like it was, I really don't want to. <laughs> yeah, so, I'd have to get buff, like you know. Yeah, I don't want to work out. Like that's a whole thing. Um, yeah, you. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's uh. But at the end of the day, if they're gonna use jail as the threat or violence and death as the threat to keep me conforming acting a certain way and to corporatize me, make me more of a humanoid and less of a human. I've accept, I, I'm at the point where I'm accepting the consequences to, to push back against that and to not accept those structures, not accept those pressures and to, and to be a real human being. If anything, to try to be an example for other people that feel the same way I used to feel when I was in the system, when I was in school, feeling like I was the only one that felt the way I felt, just to be an example to say, there is another place you can go. And I saw a thread on Twitter about next steps for the left, and I think that this is so key, is that the left needs to buy space. There needs to be leftist spaces, book bookstores, coffee shops, community centers, venues that are leftist-owned, safe spaces where people can go and exist without spending money and can talk leftism freely and be taken care of and get help and, and, and be part of a community. And 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 that is, um, and that's the next step. And and however we can use this podcast to help people do that one day, um, and work towards that end. I uh, I do think that that's the next step forward is to build real real life, not online, real life, hardcore connections. You know, I, I use the word hardcore. That's going to be in the Washington Post article. Hardcore connections. Al Qaeda domestic terrorist group. <laughs> Inside <Christ>. agitator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should have used the word hardcore, um, but you know, real life connections, uh, hand, real handshakes, and and really build real life community. Um, when 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 quarantine's up, we want to take um, Inside Agitator on the road, um, talk, to, you know, see people across the country, you know, have have little little show, little party get together, and and hang out with the fans and and build community. And I think 
I think that's that's key to building the world that we want to build um, is to have an alternative from capitalist spaces where you're in them and you feel like you're in a fake reality because you are, um, but spaces where you can go and you feel like you're in the real world. Um, yeah, and the way that we feel and in I, the studio, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's that's sort of like how I like whenever I think about the the studio vision that I've always had. It's sort of like how you know. You yeah, describe it like a space where it's like, gonna be one of those spaces. It's a leftist space, yeah. Yeah, we're like, and not even this, but like to like go somewhere and forget about all this shit. Like that's what music is to me in general. You know, it's like my little escape. Yeah, where I can sit at my laptop and yep. not have to think about going to work the next day for at least two hours. You know. Yep. Yep. It's 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 it exists outside the structure. You know. Yeah. Um, which is people need that and they don't most people don't have that and i think that's why um you ask you know these people aren't dumb why do they why do they think that i i, I think they just don't have they don't have an alternative um in, in 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 their fate like there's no alternative reality there's shit you could talk about online but there's no real place you can go that's an alternative to the just oppressive false reality that that we constantly have to deal with all right the one up, yeah it's very oppressive. I was gonna say it's very oppressive, at least to the mindset. You know, it is, bro. It is, and I, I think I even myself have not given proper credit to how what a toll you know being in these spaces has taken on me, and uh, for years of, I mean, your whole early life is spent in the education system that is basically meant to make you, if you are, let's say, an empathetic person who isn't obsessed with homework and competition, make you feel like you, there's something wrong with you and you're the fucked up one. And, 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 and when in reality, I think the people that are fucking, you know, obsessed with accolades and shit, they're the fucked up one. You know, I, and, you know, maybe that's just my personal bias, but that's how I've always seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. didn't get where you're coming from with that, you know, just like, I don't know, the hyper-capitalistic thing of accolades. Yeah, I, um, you know? I had a conversation with some, uh, some other friends last night, and I was actually talking to them thinking about some other friends of mine. And I, I've just noticed, like, uh, people we know, like, you know, you get out of college, you're maybe not, like, super thrilled with where you're at within your career. And so mm-hmm. instead of looking up and maybe we're, you know, looking at the causes of that or why, why you know, you don't feel free to make the art you want to make or whatever it is. Um, you start to look at other people and like, you want to lift yourself up by putting them down and it becomes, Ooh, what's this person up to? Oh, these assholes, they're doing this. It's not, I'm smart. Cause I'm working my job that like they hate, but they need to justify it by like knocking other people down a peg, you know? Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. I think it's hyper capitalism. I think it's alienation. I think it's economic anxiety. I think it's the fact that like people just don't, have the kind of upward movement that they used to have but i don't know i've noticed even among people i'm friends with where there's just this kind of like it's hater shit there's a lot of hater shit and i just feel like it's because i mean here's one of the reasons i think girls you know there's a societal pressure to be hot and beautiful and that that's your societal value i think what's not Mm -hmm. as talked about as much as you know that side of things is that guys have this societal pressure to have economic output and that that's their value 
And yeah. anyone in our age group is not, like, having the economic output that, you know, their fathers had at our age. Like, I don't know anyone doing that fucking fantastic. And motherfuckers are pretending that they're, like, you know, hustle and grind fucking 24. You know, if you talk to motherfuckers, you get a different picture. But I know the reality. And, like, no one's really that doing that great. And I feel like that's where a lot of that shit comes from is that motherfuckers are insecure because they've been told their worth is economic output. No one's living up to that worth. So motherfuckers are just insecure <clears throat> as shit. Yeah, I've noticed that, like, I, I consider myself to work very hard to be able to, like, do all this stuff and, like, juggle all three things. Yeah, you, you, you know, you, you have, yeah. And, like, to an extent, I feel like I slack, you know, but I feel like that slack is necessary for me not to fucking, you know, go insane and, yeah. like, slap my you, boss or thing, something though, like that. You don't slack. You work a full <laughs> job. You do music on the side. You have a full music career. Like, you actually do music a lot. Um, and then you produce this podcast for us. Like, you do... That's more than most people, especially in the fucking pandemic, are doing, bro. You're not slacking at all. Um, yeah, maybe the, maybe uh, yeah. the past two weeks. But. <laughs> no, but, 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 yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We can talk about that later. <laughs> but, but anyway, what my like my point was like, I feel like people like especially in hip hop is like everybody's like pulling up to the style. I'm at the studio at like yeah, five a.m. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still here working. I'm like, how? Yeah, how are you not, guys? First like, of all, you're not. You're smoking like, a blunt. Like you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and starters. Like, I, look, I look at that and I'm like, I feel like I have a pretty good output there's no way that like anybody could sustain that and you know be able to get sleep and like live healthy lives you know like yeah no no shot no shot so, um I, and I, I, I actually it's funny i was talking to other friends about this and one of my friends took it personally um which i was glad he did because then we kind of had a reckoning about like the different paths you've taken in life we've had like a three-hour conversation it was good i think it was a reckoning we needed to have like as friends but um you know because he was basically like, what, so I'm the asshole? I got a normal job. I'm wearing Dockers. Because, you know, we're all talking about politics and shit. Like a, it, it I'm wearing just, Dockers. Yeah. So, like, you know. Cause I, that's my line always is like, yeah, these yeah. Dockers wearing motherfuckers. And, like, yeah. little do I know this guy owns Dockers. And I'm, like, shitting all over it. Um, but I wasn't even thinking so much about my, like, those homies. Because, like, I fuck with them. I don't think they're, like, you know, insane like some of the fuckers are. I was kind of thinking about, ra like, the rap homies and, like, people who, like, everything is just getting the next step up the ladder and i'm hustling and grinding i'm the hardest working and it's kind of fake too because i know people that talk all this shit about their grind and what they do that like you know let's say maybe you're still using the same filter on their photos from nine months ago like you know like and like <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, and like it's just like it's not actually a lot of hard work it's a whole lot of fronting and in in that fronting i think makes people even more insecure because they know they're lying and they think that that lying is necessary. And so they think they're setting a bar that they're not even living up to in the first place. And, like, it just sets yourself up. And I've done that in my own life. Everyone has. I think everyone has in their life. Um, but I, I don't know. I see it so much more in... I don't know. I guess I see it in hip-hop. But I, I see it everywhere, bro. I see it everywhere. In the first fucking episode we ever did, Attack of the Clouds. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's people that just want cloud and to get the next level and it, it's really like fucked people up and it's late capitalism it, it's it is yeah which i feel like i'm almost even guilty of that myself 
Well, we all are, but I, yeah. I mean, my, my, I can't talk any shit. I like blow money on chains to be like, yeah, look at me, like, yeah, yeah like everyone does stupid, like everyone's guilty of it. You know, we live in it. It's, yeah. You can't escape it. Like we're talking about, there's no escape from. It. There's no spaces outside of it. You exist in this system as of right now. And I think that's what makes doing something like this podcast so scary. Because everywhere we go is a place where this kind of language, this kind of speech is not allowed. You know? And so yeah. that's like that's what makes this scary. And it's only when I go and say, talk to people in real life. Like when I had that conversation with my friends last night about the doctors motherfuckers. That I feel a little better to go... All right, I'm not so crazy, you know. I can convince my doctors wearing friends of the same thing. Um, yeah, and, and I and, and no, but that's that's serious though. I I feel that like <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what we're missing. I really I really feel, and that's why I brought up the live shows. Like I really feel like you also got to sign into the Instagram, bro. We have some really like awesome fans that reach out and like talk and like shout out to the fans by the way. Like you're the reason we keep doing this shit. Like you guys are awesome. We love you. We love the messages. And, yeah. Uh, the, also, follow us on Twitter. Hold up. Let me look at the the Twitter. Yeah. Hashtag because I'm gonna I'm gonna get active on the Twitter here in a couple weeks. I be I be like wanting to meme. Yeah, I actually want to. We should tweet more from it because I feel like I get into Twitter arguments from my account that end up gaining a bunch of traction. But I should just be doing that from the podcast account. Yeah. So our <laughs> ad is Inside Agit Pod. So I N S I D E A G I T P O D. If you guys want to follow us, we'll be active more. Yeah, just awesome. re, you know, even if it's not us and us tweeting, we'll retweet things that you know, yeah, right. we agree with, and you know, that type of thing. Yup. Uh, there was a whole bunch of shit that we had slated to talk about, but we could do that next episode. I liked that kind of just like, you know, we had a big general wide yeah. conversation. I think that was good. Yeah. Plus, you know, it's it's better to like you know at least get those feelings out. A hundred percent, and um, I, I'm glad we we did some of it off mic and talk more specifics. Um, and yeah, I wish I could tell you guys more about some of the things that we found out. Um, but I can say that there were credible sources, and uh, there are powerful entrenched forces. <laughs> that, Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, it's, it's uh, oh my god, yeah. Like, and, <laughs> Just we found out some scary shit, um, and and one day we will be able to talk about it on the pod. But uh, until then, we're fine, we're safe, locked and loaded. Um, but you know, just yeah, crazy times, <laughs> holy shit, crazy fucking times. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll do more of a kind of rehashing last episode and doing a recap of the you know the first couple of Biden weeks. That motherfucker is playing Mario Kart at Camp David right now. Did you see that article? I mean, I saw he was at Camp David, but yeah. I didn't. They, they did a fluff piece at CNN, like, President Biden playing Mario Kart and wearing his new presidential swag. It's like, Man. I'm starving! Okay. I'm starving! Run me my, run me my 2K fuckface. Like. Yeah, actually. <laughs> the best is his granddaughter puts a fucking photo of him in, like, the commander-in-chief jacket. And it's like we got him this jacket because he is literally president. And and uh, Matt Christman said it sounds like you've had to remind him that seven times today. <laughs> <laughs> just so every time he walks past the mirror, he's just like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. it, that's right." 
Yeah. Um, oh, hey, to, I to that, that end, go have him. being a senile puppet, um, Kamala is the one making all the calls to foreign leaders. So they are no longer in contact with the President of the United States. Foreign leaders, I think it was Canada and France, Kamala's handling relations with them. So we now have a leader of foreign policy in the, in the Oval Office who, I just want to be very clear, nobody voted for especially yeah. not black people but nobody voted like kamala dropped out before her home state because she was polling at like 0.16 percent and even lower with black people nationwide and so she dropped out this is a woman who got no votes and in our democratic system is now the person doing diplomacy with other countries so you know take that as you will but I just feel like it's important to point out. Yeah, I feel like we're on the Biden retirement tour, honestly. We are. We are. I mean, Kamala's president. And um, and that's almost a little scarier than Joe. Because she's like full on, I'll cop. say I believe in Medicare for all, but I'm a cop and I don't. Um, which is like a terrifying thing. Yeah. That really I feel is, like we though. forget that Pete and Kamala came on the scene as like doing Bernie stuff. Yeah, no, and then yeah. like they just completely flipped the script and yeah. it's like, all right, no, I was just kidding. No. Yeah, yeah, it's really crazy. It's I kind of forget that sometimes. It's so crazy, and I think it's just a lesson to be learned about the future to not, you know, not trust. Um, yeah, I, I now want to launch into a whole thing of, to defend AOC, but that's like a whole other conversation. So mm. let's wrap it up. Um, Damn, I actually had something I wanted to bring up. No, let's do it. Uh, bring it up. Bring it up. Oh, well, well uh, it, was, it was about when some like Republican congresswoman in Texas, uh, she like brought up uh, like a bill that would classify like you can't speak out against politicians and put them in like. Secret. Oh, this is great. So uh, it. Um, yeah. If, if, if it's if I'm thinking about what you're thinking about, the country's so fucked up, it could totally be a separate draconian law that's getting passed. But I read something about a law that is going to consider. Um, political beliefs a protected class just like race, gender, and religion is that mm-hmm. the one? yeah that's exactly yeah. the one yeah. and, and I think uh, the obvious you know answer to that is that protection is not going to be extended to leftists it's going yeah. to be extended to people like uh, let me think of an example like Chadwick C. Mag- at NC oh, State yeah. who yeah. is a proud boy working in IT and is not being fired because, you know, oh, he's got his views, even though his views include using his position of power to get personal information on students to threaten them with. Eh, those are his political views. We're not going to attack him. I assure you, if he was a leftist who just said his views and wasn't threatening people, he probably would have been fired. But a right winger threatening people isn't fired. And so I think when you see laws like this applied, what it clearly is going to do is insulate people like Kyle Rittenhouse and like right wing extremists from consequences while um which in turn intensifies um the consequences for left-wing politics because those are the enforcers um what the police state can't do because it's too egregious they let the right-wing extremists fill in the gaps and and in many ways they are um an extrajudicial disciplinary arm of the state um and that's how i view kyle rittenhouse and that's why he's being protected by the state because he is an extrajudicial disciplinary arm of the state power. Um, and yeah. That's some smart wow. shit I just said. I just came up with that myself. 
That's pretty damn good. That's a good we're one. Clip we're going we're to have to clip that out. We're going to clip that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, and he is. And, 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 and that's what's so crazy is he actually murdered people. And he gets out on bond and, and skip, jumps, skips bail. Like, the dude's on the run, basically. They don't know where his address is. They can't find him. He's being Obviously, he's at a compound that's being protected by police. But, like, the, you know, the, the quote-unquote the police don't know where he is. You know, he's on the run. You know, there are pictures of him out drinking with his mom in fucking uh, Kenosha. Like, he's out and about. He's on the town. And a leftist who just talked about doing the same thing to right-wingers is currently being held behind bars without jail. Without bail, without jail. That's hilarious. All right, it's time to wrap this up. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's getting late. It's getting, it's getting late. All right, dude. Much love. I appreciate you doing this episode. Um, we'll, we'll let's do a like a Biden recap later. Yeah, yeah we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll schedule. Out you cut out. I can't hear you. Cut out. I can't hear you. Right. Oh, we we'll right, schedule out some time. All right, y'all. Thank. All right, bro. Oh, okay, cool. Um. Yeah, everything everything just lagged out at the end here, but uh, <laughs> appreciate y'all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. All right, see you guys.